Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Greg Monteith. Today's episode is the second of 10 episodes introducing a module in the First Steps curriculum of the Foundations of Flourishing program. These episodes will be shorter than most, and many will finish with discussion of an aspect of each module with my podcast partner, John Polstra. Foundations of Flourishing is one of the main programs within the Integration Project, a project that I have mentioned in numerous episodes over the past year. Foundations of Flourishing helps participants acquire the skills, dispositions, and knowledge needed for Christians to develop a high level of satisfaction with their beliefs, and consequently, for those Christian beliefs to appear more legitimate and even compelling to non-Christians. Second, having these skills, dispositions, and knowledge empowers Christians to engage thoughtfully and productively with the prominent concerns and questions of this cultural moment, such as the nature of hell, evolution versus creation, and gender issues, to name but a few. The first level of curriculum within the Foundations of Flourishing program is called First Steps, and Module 2 of First Steps is entitled Understanding Fear. Last episode, I explained Module 1, which focuses on legalism, fear, and ignorance. Of these, fear is the critical component, and so it needs special attention. Module 1 offers basic information about fear-based Christianity, indicating that fear can be difficult to root out because we are typically unconscious of its presence. This is because fear often masquerades as, or is masked by, other emotions. For instance, fear can be expressed as anger, protectiveness, diligence, or concern. Especially for men, fear is an uncomfortable emotion, while anger or protectiveness are more gender-typical, and so are more socially acceptable. The key point is that fear is a driver, like sadness or grief, but is difficult to identify. So we need to train ourselves to recognize it. To help recognize fear, Module 2 addresses what I consider to be three of the primary fears that afflict Christians when it comes to their faith, addressing both what these fears are and how they can negatively impact the possibility of Christian growth. Now, although it may seem counterintuitive, first I want to acknowledge that I see these fears to be, to a certain degree, understandable and expected. Throughout this episode, however, I will be returning to the idea that it is not the fears themselves, but how we understand them, and especially how we respond to them, that will be key to determining whether these fears are debilitating or helpful. In my view, the three primary fears that afflict Christians are these. 1. The fear that I am not smart enough, that my beliefs are wrong or insufficient. 2. The fear that I am not good enough, that I will never be the Christian I am meant to be. 3. The fear that I am not committed enough, that I am really an imposter. Others might state these fears in slightly different ways, but whether you can relate to one or all of these fears, my first comment is, it's okay, these fears are normal. Why? Well, because these fears actually reflect what I understand to be the three main limitations that all human beings face. These three limitations are fallibility, finitude, and fallenness. Fallibility is being liable to make mistakes, to getting it wrong. Finitude is the reality of being limited, 
of potentially being not enough for any given task. Finally, fallenness is the predisposition to self-deceit, to claiming to be or do one thing when in fact we are or do quite the reverse. Fallenness means being prone to being an imposter. Yet the above three fears, while they are based upon actual human limitations or weaknesses, are not meant to be the force that prompts Christian belief or that determines how Christians live their lives. When fear about our limitations dominate Christian thinking and direct Christian action, this glass-half-empty mentality is what can be called fear-based Christianity. Fear-based attitudes are often difficult to identify, let alone to to understand and respond to. Further, fear-based attitudes impede Christian growth because the fear of exposing my insufficiencies makes it difficult properly to investigate, and therefore to address, those areas where I feel inadequate. Now before I speak to how Christians can approach their limitations in a way that allows their beliefs and life to be productive, rather than fear-based, I need to explain one further point about beliefs in general, and that is the link between belief and identity. Human identity is a broad and complicated topic, and one that I will deal with in greater depth later, concerning a future Foundations of Flourishing module. So I want to offer only one comment at this point. Identity includes many things, but a key aspect is the idea of belonging. The idea is that human beings understand themselves. They develop a specific identity by virtue of belonging to certain groups, such as family groups, social groups, work-related groups, or religious groups. Yet on the other hand, there is a deeper and more immediate sense of belonging implied in the notion of identity. That is, through having a sense of my identity, I actually belong to myself. In this way, we understand an identity crisis to occur when my affiliations, or my sense of belonging, to certain groups is altered or even threatened. So to the term crisis, the result of group belonging being threatened or altered is that I am no longer sure of who I am. Even more, when part of my self-understanding is removed or threatened, I lose a sense of wholeness because I no longer have the sense of possessing myself or of belonging to myself. Interestingly, an identity crisis has a similar impact to the three fears I mentioned earlier, and especially to the fear of being an imposter. Both create an anxious need to reclaim a sense of wholeness regarding one's identity. The difference is a matter of degrees. The fear of being an imposter typically drives people back to their standard or preferred identity, whereas a crisis of identity means that a new identity or new parts of an existing identity actually need to be formed. It's also important to state that having what could be called a strong sense of identity does not necessarily mean that I have a good understanding of the components that make up my identity, or what these components are based on, or that I've spent any time evaluating these components against other, potentially viable, components. It simply means that I believe strongly that I know who I am, and that I am the person that I should be. In other words, it means that who I am is who I'm meant to be. So having a strong sense of identity is not necessarily a guarantee, at least for Christians, that one's beliefs and self-understanding have reached a level of maturity. So how do Christians identify when they may be taking a fear-based approach to their faith and learn to understand and respond to these fears in a way that is helpful 
and promotes Christian growth. Also, how do Christians develop a robust sense of identity relative to their beliefs, so that they are able both to allow new views to challenge them and to engage competently with the views and questions of the broader culture? This episode simply introduces Module 2, Understanding Fear, so I will only make three brief points here. First, the three primary fears that I mentioned earlier being directly related to human limitations is actually very positive. In other words, concerns about our limitations offer a great starting point for identifying fear-based approaches. Next, understanding and responding to such approaches begins with recognizing that, while a fear-based approach to Christian belief and life is overly pessimistic and harmful, being conscious of our human limitations, of our fallibility, finitude, and fallenness, and respecting their impact, are essential to right living. So the Understanding Fear module helps participants identify their fears and begin to understand where they come from, and eventually how to respond to them. This responding does not result in never being afraid or concerned due to our limitations. Rather, the aim is that we develop sufficient skills, dispositions, and knowledge to move beyond our fears in order to examine those areas of our lives that, up until now, we may have been reluctant or felt unable to consider. This leads to the second point. Second, the Understanding Fear module provides practical strategies for participants to begin thinking about their identity, and particularly their identity in relation to their Christian beliefs. Participants can then begin developing methods to recognize when a matter prompts concerns and fears without allowing those fears or concerns to take control. This gives Christians the best opportunity to, on the one hand, develop accurate self-understandings, and on the other hand, engage productively with non-Christians and the wider culture. In other words, acknowledging and identifying our fears surrounding a change or loss of identity allows participants to begin to view as opportunities what might otherwise be perceived as threats. Through unpacking their own beliefs, participants enlarge their self-understanding without the fear of losing their sense of identity or of belonging. So they come to understand that examining and even modifying one's identity is not a mistake to be avoided, but is a core aspect of the Christian life to be thoughtfully and carefully embraced. Third, the teaching content of Module 2 raises two important and seemingly conflictual notions of fear in the Bible, one from Deuteronomy 6 and the other from 1 John 4, or we could use Romans 8 as well. Next, the teaching content considers two biblical notions of identity. First, the idea that humans bear the image of God. Second, the notion that Christians have their identity in Christ. Some questions to ponder here include, what do you make of the seeming contradiction between these two references to fear? What type of fear is at stake, or what thing is feared, in both instances? Next, how does identity relate to Christian belief? What do you take these two examples of identity to mean? Well, I'd like to welcome once again my podcast partner, John Polstra, to this part of the episode. And John, uh, so we just finished talking about understanding fear and kind of trying to overcome or work beyond fear. 
not that we ever get rid of it, but that we want to be productive in spite of fear. And wondered what you had to think, what you thought about this content and things that particularly you might guess people have to pay closer attention to on this one. I think there's a subtle, like I liked how you talked about what fear is and that fear, it's kind of a meta emotion. Right. I, I like your, I like the, the notion that it's, that it's a response to something. Mm-hmm. In other words, fear doesn't live on its own. It's a response or something's being tripped or triggered inside of us. And then we have fear versus right. you can't, and there's you, fear is not a standalone thing. But that, yes. that, I never really thought of it that way. But some people would say the same thing about anger. They would say that, that anger is not a standalone thing. It's covering something else up. Right. And that's one of the points I made there that, that often anger or protectiveness or these other things are expressions of fear. And that particularly for men, it's, I mean, fear is very uncomfortable. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's uncool. It's unmanly in a certain sense to say, I, I'm afraid of this, but it's not uncool to say, you know, I, I'm a little angry about this or I'm protective of this thing, or I'm really kind of being concerned about this and promoting a strong stance on it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I like how you play that. So then, in other words, there's a positive aspect to anger or protectiveness, but there typically is no positive aspect to fear. Well, I think the positive part of fear is a lot more difficult to 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 recognize and to explain, you know, and it can seem very, um, you know, you're hesitant or you're, uh, you're not, you don't have any courage or you're, uh, you don't have, maybe in Christian context, you don't have enough faith. Why would you be f- afraid? You should have faith, right? Everything's going to be fine. Well, um, it, things can be more complicated than that. The other typical way that fear comes up, at least in my mind and from my background, is the mm. fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, stealing from yes. Proverbs. But but yes. in that case, fear is like God is so beyond us in so many different ways. And so, in a sense, that should kind of scare the crap out of you in the sense that you should be reverent on right behavior. In other words... I might be overstating that, but that's, I don't know. There's just this whole idea of that you like yeah. the fear of the Lord, like just mm-hmm. the utmost respect, reverence, it, it, holiness, well, like just, am I making any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think you are. And I think I would locate that. I, th- I think that one of the primary, maybe the primary locator or location of that is in Deuteronomy 6. And the fascinating thing about Deuteronomy 6 is that that is where we've got the Shema, this pronouncement, the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. You love the Lord, your God with all your heart, et cetera, et cetera. And there's, there's, there's love of God and fear of God in the exact same passage, right? And so at the end of this podcast, I'm, I'm raising some of this. I'm raising the comparison, let's say, between Deuteronomy 6's use of fear and again, this is this is for Christians, right? Uh, but also for those who are non-Christians and who are interested in the Christian Bible, interested in in some of these ideas within Christianity. And then you've got this comparison, say, with First John four, where perfect love casts out fear, right? Fear is a problem. We don't want fear. That's and yet in Deuteronomy six, fear is good, right? And so we're dealing with one of the, some of the questions: Are we dealing with the same notion of fear here? Mm. So what some, yeah. is being feared in these two kind of different? contexts. Yeah, so that's something for people to ponder. Something else that jumped out at me was later on you talked about enough. Fear that I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough, good enough, committed yes. enough. And what yes. came to me there was the whole notion of inadequacy. Yes. I am afraid that I am totally inadequate. 
I would push that maybe in a different direction, which would be in Christian context, there can often be the, well, maybe it is inadequacy, uh, fear that I don't have enough faith, fear that I don't have enough figured out, fear that yes. um, I don't believe enough, fear that I don't even think God is real today, but I sure can't say that because right. of fear of inadequacy, not being enough, not being real enough, not being committed enough, not being Christian, yeah, enough, 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 enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's that's great. That's exactly what I'm getting at. And one of the words, one of the keywords in there that I also pulled out is this idea of imposter, right? The fear that I'm I'm I'm, I'm an imposter. Faker. People, yeah. If people really knew, man, they should kick me out. I shouldn't be here. So yeah, that's all part of it. Okay. Then the other thing that I thought was interesting, you talk later on about belonging. Mm-hmm. I thought this was profound. I belong to myself. Yeah. Because I would think the natural response people, what Christians would have is, well, we belong to God. It's not that we belong to ourselves. That would be too selfish. It's the fact that we belong to God and the fact that if you can wrap your head around to get emotionally in the flow of this idea that we belong to God, isn't that wonderful and doesn't it feel amazing? Right. And I, I would say that it's it's both. Right. And I would say, and I would say, and doesn't it feel amazing is something that I can't relate to, but mm-hmm. I would like to someday, but have not been able to. Right. Then, then you went and talked about identity and a crisis of identity. I think you said, uh, the fear of, a, of being an imposter typically drives people back toward their standard or quote preferred identity. Whereas a crisis of identity means that a new identity or a new parts of an existing identity actually need to be formed. Right. And stealing from coaching, we would call that transformation. Huh. Like you're being transformed as a person. You are showing up differently. And to show up differently, you have to essentially have developed an evolved or new or different identity. Right. And I think that's, uh, that sounds so reminiscent of what you would, um, you know, the whole notion of transformation within Christianity, right? Mm. You're, you're yourself and yet you're different. Um, and in some senses, you're more yourself. You're your best self. One other thing that jumped out at me, and I think this wraps it up well and ties it all together. You mm-hmm. said at one point towards the end, acknowledging and identifying our fears surrounding a change or loss of identity allows participants to begin to view as, quote, opportunities what might otherwise be perceived as threats. Right. So the idea, I guess there of... Again, I think we said this in a previous one, the the idea of being willing to be uncomfortable. And I have never experienced the process of transformation to be comfortable. (laughs) Good point. So, so yeah, I don't know, tying in the fears and maybe it does just kind of come back to this may not feel comfortable, but it'll be worth it. Right. And that sounds really important, setting the proper expectations just for the whole kind of process you're embarking on. Mm, yes, because I think people may, some might sometimes have the notion that this is easy and comfortable because it involves God. But, well, man. Right. Eh, right. I'm going to take the, some of that back. I, well, that I think I'd have to you... think that through a little bit more. Right. Well, we mentioned last time the idea of Christianity being straightforward, right? And so it's maybe not that it's going to be uncomfortable because God's involved, but that it should all be straightforward. Not easy, but clear. And yeah, so maybe there's some of that involved too. Thanks, John. I really appreciate your comments on this. You got it.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.